1: president donald j trump and i'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in moscow and that the russians taped it and have
0: leverage over him
1: welcome back to information operation we are still on the road we'll be back in the studio i promise next week Uh, but today we have matt termond who let me think. It has a variety of titles. He is a geopolitical strategist, advisor to governments, investment banker, et cetera. Welcome, Matt.
0: Ah, good to be with you, Todd. Always a pleasure when we hang out.
1: Exactly. So we were chatting before this interview. We see a resurgence globally against populism, especially in Eastern Europe, Latin America, not against populism, but really of populism in Latin America, in Eastern Europe. Uh, The UK may have lost its gains in Brexit, but uh, we are definitely winning the PR war in the US. What are your thoughts on that 30,000 foot geopolitical situation?
0: You know, my view has been sort of steady from the beginning, which is that there's a great inflection after 50 years of a coordinated globalist hijacking and takeover of sovereignty through supranational governance, through Mm -hmm. the United Nations, through the EU, which, you know, initially sold itself as a economic trade agreement to regulate coal and steel, which would be the two key inputs to mechanized industrialized warfare coming out of World War II. And it morphed into this, uh, this agglomeration of federalized statehood and lost and deferred sovereignty uh, to unelected mandarins and bureaucrats in Brussels and Strasbourg, uh, a French academic project and a, a German economic project, and the EU's been the tip of the spear in this, uh, mm-hmm. the WTO, the IMF, the World Bank, uh, the central banks in, in, in China, the U.S., Japan. Uh, all working in concert toward what they call cohesion or harmonization, uh, creating uh, policy frameworks that work to perpetuate their own continued control. Uh, and then what happened in 2008 and nine when we had this inflection in the markets, I think that kind of opened up a lot of eyes in the U.S. That's what paved the way for Trump. That's when the Democrat Union Rust Belt uh, voters who were loyal since FDR times uh, started moving to the right because it wasn't that they left the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left them a party sure. of globalist elites with woke, radicalized social justice mentality as their domestic playbook. Uh, so, you know, the, the people in Michigan and Ohio and and uh, the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, uh, even parts of Maine and New England, uh, they said, well, what, what the hell is this? So, you know, Trump was a uh, he wasn't the disease; he was a symptom of the disease. And the fact that there was a reactionary pushback was this sort of symptomatic framework that ushered in Trump, Brexit, Central Europe—you uh, know, post-communist nations who saw what Brussels was doing, their sovereignty being violated by Berlin uh, mm-hmm. and turning them into economic vassals. Yeah. Uh, the German banking system, what it did to Southern Europe in Greece, yep. Spain, Portugal, Italy—the uh, the the, the pigs—the sort of Southern economy uh, club. Club Med economies that the German banks had basically taken over and also made economic vassals. So these things, these trends have been set in motion over decades, and it really came to the forefront. The inflection occurred in 08, 09 when the banks got bailed out, but Mm -hmm. wages stagnated across the developed world. And then it took a few more years to percolate with Hungary and Poland leading the way in central Europe, knowing what unaccountable bureaucracies look like, and then accelerating Trump, Brexit, uh, Bolsonaro. Uh, and then, you know, there's some, uh, you know, nothing goes straight up, nothing goes straight down. There are ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Markets are, are very instructive because that's just a graphical representation of human activity. Mm-hmm. Markets are just the sum total participant uh, participation, the aggregate participation and wisdom of all the participants uh, voting through, you know, choices commercially. Uh, and then we see, you know, a little bit ebbs and flows. You know, I see, oh, but populism is losing because look at Macron wins. Well, Le Pen got 35% in the second round in right. lefty uh, establishment France. A third of the voters voted for Le Pen four years ago. And now I think with the changing of the guard in French politics on the right, with Éric more coming to the forefront and will probably be the, the leading figure on the right, Marine Le Pen being over because she was unpalatable to so many for so long. Right. We're going to see an even stronger populist uh, uh, resurgence in the, the the deepest hearts of established an establishment globalist leftist europe uh, so i think all these trends are still on uh on 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 trend uh, the trend continues in latin america i've been talking about the chilean election which nobody's talking about it. it's a big deal far right far left candidate talk about a stark dichotomy being set up yep. uh, you've got a guy who extols the virtue of pinochet and uh and jose antonio cast and you've got a uh, a classic uh leftist radical in boric who uh, who's thirty five years old and ran the uh, communist youth group when he was a university activist. Uh, so he'll be I mean, he'll
1: be about as effective as uh, Jin Saki in the gang, I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean, of course. I mean, <laughs> but, but in Latin America, these things are real dangerous because look what happened in Venezuela. Venezuela was a thriving democratic republic with uh, with a thriving uh, resource based economy mm-hmm. and uh, per capita wealth was uh, among the highest in Latin America. And then all of a sudden, they vote in. Of their own volition, Chavismo. Hugo Chavez, and now we're mm-hmm. stuck with Maduro and this whole machine, and they're eating cats and rats and uh, yeah. whatever they can find. Because even with all the oil wealth and uh, resource depth, uh, you know uh, the disorganization and corruption of all socialist forms of socialist government and economic uh, organization. Uh, it, you know, uh, what was uh, the Reagan quote that if you left uh, if you left the left in charge of the Sahara Desert, they'd run out of sand in a couple of years. Because they're so ass backward on on resource allocation, and there's no there's no mode to it except cronyism. So you know this Chilean election is going to be a big deal because are they going to go and vote their own? uh, You know, like Cicero said, uh, indulgences from the treasury to bankrupt a free society, and they're going to go toward chavismo. Are they going to go toward populist rightism with Bolsonaro and Cast, who's going to uh, who's extolling the virtues of Pinochet, who is certainly not perfect, but certainly the Chilean economy. And metrics of freedom, if you looked at previous iterations of Latin American government, were higher under Pinochet. Now, he did uh, aggressively go after communists, throwing them out of helicopters. Right which is a classical liberal, you probably don't want to extol that virtue, but communism is a cancer and the proponents of it are cancerous in society. And so they will lead us all to gulags. So I kind of understand when you have a full comprehension of what communism is and can do to your society, really trying to, uh, to purge it out. You just have to kind of measure that and make sure you don't become too autocratic in the process. You kind of want to maintain some classical liberalism and freedom orientation.
1: People don't understand that uh, Lula, what he did to Petrobras and, and really just destroyed the whole sold industry. To China. And sold the
0: sold backdoor sales of all strategic assets, energy, raw raw mineral materials uh, to China for cash and bags, mm-hmm. Operation Car Wash, Dilma and Lula, too. also Latin American-style Marxists economically mm-hmm. and, and in and political governance and philosophy. And uh, the Supreme Court in Brazil let Lula out uh, pending his appeal, he should be. Everybody, no, nobody in in Brazil, left, right, or center, thinks Lula and Dilma were honest and uh, and not involved in the the deepest levels of graft and corruption. Uh, but the Supreme Court let him out so they can put him back on the chessboard to, uh, yep. to try and capture the election form against Bolsonaro, who's an ex- existential threat to them, much like Trump was to the American left and to the Chinese uh, CCP's uh, global designs on power and control.
1: Hence, they tried to stab him to death a few years ago, which a lot of people don't know. He's got a scar from the... Yeah, yeah. Well, that was right uh, after
0: right the, the election, I think. Or yeah, like, yeah. Right before he got elected, The fact that he basically went to the hospital and walked it off helped secure his victory. Yeah, I, I know him. I know the sons. Mm-hmm. And these are tough. These are tough guys. They're freedom fighters. They they've got a strong faith center, which mm-hmm. also increases your strength when you know that, uh, you know, you're in line with the ordered uh, morality of Jude- the Christian ethos. It gives you an mm-hmm. inner strength. And I've seen uh, Jair Bolsonaro and I've seen uh, Eduardo Flavio and Carlos, the three brothers and sons of Jair. Uh, these mm-hmm. are strong guys, but not strong yeah. guys to the left. The Atlantic likes to say, oh, they're you know autocratic strongmen. No, they actually believe in in a classical liberal uh, philosophical framework, which is freedom and yep. communism, the antith- antith- antithesis of communism is what they stand for.
1: People don't realize, you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the periphery countries in Europe. People don't realize what the euro did. I mean, they could no longer regulate and devalue their currencies, so they just were destroyed.
0: Yeah, well, I've Greece uh, when they trade in the yeah. drachma, Italy, and the Lira, uh, Spain, yeah. and Peso. But if you look at Hungary and Poland, who have retained the foreign and the zloty respectively, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually helped them. It's helped them give them flexibility. Their economy hasn't stalled out uh, mm-hmm. on the heels of that contagion from our crisis in 0809, which, because of our monetary policy, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, was exported uh, into global banking and really hurt the uh, the entire European union the the European Monetary, monetary Union in the eurozone uh, in 12 and eleven twelve and thirteen and that 's when we saw you know more autocratic thuggery um, yeah. from the, what they called the troika the, uh, the the european central bank uh, the the IMF and the uh, the European Union and they, uh, they really came in and they, they basically as a as a mechanism controlled with levers controlled by German banking and German business and political elite. Uh, they really made Italy and especially Italy and Greece again mm-hmm. their vassals. I mean, they they deposed freely elected sovereigns in both countries uh under the name under the uh the, the the guise of uh emergency power and necessity. Yeah. Uh, you know, with uh, Mario Monti in Italy and uh, Papandreou and Papadimos in Greece. I wrote about this uh piece uh, for the American Mind called Go mm-hmm. Westphalian, young man, mm-hmm. and sort of the sovereigntist movement on the right pushing Westphalian sovereignty. Uh, But bringing back Westphalian sovereignty, that's what made Europe great was Westphalian sovereignty, just like federalism made America great. You had competitive nation states who, when they had uh, skirmishes and disputes, they went toward diplomacy with a framework in place post the Congress of Vienna. Uh, you know, Treaty of Westphalia was 1648, and it sort of got tested in the in the following 150, 60 years. And then the Congress of Vienna was uh, was assembled to uh, to to shake out all the disputes, and that paved the way for a more diplomatic Europe. Of course, there was war, uh, but it still allowed a competitive framework with nation states to take hold, and that was what made Europe great. And then the European Union, starting in 48 with the European Coal and Steel Commission, uh, tried to break down uh, that proud heritage of Westphalian sovereignty and turn into a, an amorphous super state with a degraded culture, as left always does, is degraded. Yeah. culture.
1: So what do you think about the UK? I mean, I had uh, one of our writers who worked for Nigel, uh, Gawain Taller wrote a piece this morning on the social credit score that's really gaining hold there in various forms. Uh, you know, they, they, they pushed through Brexit and, you know, got 80% of what they wanted, but now it seems that uh, Boris is just really... Uh, throwing in the towel. What are your thoughts there?
0: Well, Boris is a, is a product of the establishment elite, everything mm-hmm. from his schooling to his political and journalism careers. Uh, so, you know, even when he became, he came up pro-Brexit, uh, this was not because he really believed in Brexit. Uh, he yeah. came up pro-Brexit because he, he went like this yeah. and he saw the winds of inflectionary change that we discussed. Mm-hmm. And he saw that Brexit was the winning, uh, was the winning hand, was the winning, uh, uh, winning way to play the cards dealt to him as a, a political uh, player and a journalist and a, a social critic. He, you know, coming out on favor of British sovereignty as opposed to European Union integration was the winning strategy. Uh, so, you know, and good, and I'm glad he did make that calculus as opposed to you know stay married to the failure that is the EU. Yeah, uh, I'm really confused about the Commonwealth countries. Here's the 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 countries and societies that have the the, the strongest, richest heritage of classical liberalism of limited government, of individual rights, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, starting with the Magna Carta, but all the way through you look at uh, William Wilberforce in British Parliament fighting against slavery. Uh, It's a very proud tradition. uh, And the British, uh, you know, uh, political scientific thinkers uh, like Edmund Burke uh, and the Scottish Enlightenment, the Scottish Mm -hmm. thinkers, They were the ones who were the great purveyors of this sort of post-Enlightenment, post-Enlightenment framework that made it uh, focused on individual nations and individualism versus the French, the Voltaire's and the Rousseau's who went towards statism, Uh, you know, Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité, which is a a statist mentality. Uh, And here we have, you know, the greatest experiment in classical liberalism in the United States. And that was only could have been birthed out of the British and Scottish Enlightenment tradition. But then you've got, and so you, you still have this, you know, war, this desire for freedom, but you've got Australia, you've got Canada, uh, and they have gone 100% the other way toward a leftist radical controlist mechanism. Isn't
1: this for- Isn't this targeted? I mean, they're targeting the Commonwealth. It's obvious, right?
0: I think so. But I mean, look, they're also targeting Austria. We see what's going on in Austria right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I, I think that anywhere they can target is fair game. The State Department was targeting the Balkans under yeah. Obama and the Hillary Clinton State Department. And Soros had a huge, uh, huge, uh, huge foothold in the Balk- Balkans, you know, trying to mm-hmm. trying to control Macedonia and uh, Montenegro. I actually had mm-hmm. dinner with the, uh, the former prime minister of uh, Macedonia, now North Macedonia, the stories he had about, you know, the – overreach into his country by the State Department, the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton, and very, very much likely catalyzed by, mm-hmm. uh, by Soros' designs on the Balkans as a ripe, fertile ground for sure. economic hijacking and then control. Uh, next yeah, we're, the we,
1: we've talked about this, you and I, but we're interviewing Barisha tomorrow morning, I think, and to talk about that exact situation of Soros control in the Balkans. So um, what do you think about this new new variant? uh i tend to think it was just a matter of time before they had to step up the fear porn to try to rank because they're losing across the board i think so yeah, they, yeah. there's I something knew. coming i knew something was coming
0: so yeah the of thanksgiving before yeah. christmas lock everything down lock everyone down uh mm-hmm. you know hit the economy more create more crises mm-hmm. uh and then this is ahead of 2022 which is a very very important year electorally globally for this yeah. movement you yeah. got france you've got hungary You've got Brazil, you've got the United States, and I actually think we're going to have to see new German elections as well. I don't think this mm. new coalition government is going to survive very long. I think that the Greens and the FDP are going to start fighting over Nord Stream you know, in the next couple months, and I think they come to an impasse. And uh, and then all of a sudden the German government collapses and you have new elections there as well, which really does set the stage for, uh, for how Europe goes. How Berlin goes is how Europe goes, sadly.
1: Yeah. So how should we uh, prepare for this next year in your mind? what what can people do besides just prepping and and getting involved politically obviously from the ground up
0: i mean that's that's the that's really the only key is eternal uh, mm-hmm. vigilance uh careful study of what's going on around you. Do not believe the spoon-fed fake news media narratives that are such bullshit that it's yeah. it's brazen. I mean, look, I was just reading a New York Post article about Facebook censorship of everything related to Kyle Rittenhouse. They called him a, uh, this was a mass murder and a terrorist event. So under that uh, framework of their terms, they were allowed to, to stifle and cut out any coverage of Kyle Rittenhouse, including attorneys at places like Georgetown or wherever who were doing analysis over his defense uh which was obviously robust and ended up vindicated in, mm-hmm. uh, in a full unanimous jury trial acquittal so uh uh, You know, be vigilant. I one of the reasons that I'm you know, promoting Getter is because I believe that it is an unfettered free speech platform. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to gain strength. I was in Hungary. Uh, I've been in France. I've been in the UK. I've been in Germany. I'm just trying to kind of explain to them that Facebook and Twitter and the established uh, media, which is already coming after you while well, the established social media guys are going to start cutting you off at the most inopportune moments. So you cannot message to your base. Right. So you galvanize and further. Restrict free discourse and cement their power with their establishment uh, cohorts. Uh, so I think uh, you know, freedom of speech is key. It needs—it's like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it atrophies. Yep. Uh, and they're going to try and force that atrophication, uh, and so we have to push back on that. So knowledge, uh, do the work, uh, exercise your rights, and when they uh, when they try and stifle your rights, raise hell.
1: Well, on that, Matt, thank you very much for your time. I want to do this on a regular basis because. Yeah,